have a guest speaker this weekend. We just came from an incredible men's conference. How many of you men were at that conference? Come on. It was good. It was really good. Spoke to me. I was blessed. And um, our guest speaker is here with all, all weekend services this weekend. And um, I just got to let you know, this isn't just like, oh, let's bring in a good guy because he brings a good word. He's got a big church. This is literally, he's more, it's more personal than that. Pastor Rick Bizet came and spoke to our church about three years ago when we were in a really rough time, crazy pastoral transition, and, and I was just getting beat up. There was all kind of words and slander and just whatever. You, know, you guys don't need to hear all my dirt, but I was out, out of the church for three months on sabbatical just dealing with some stuff with the Lord and going, God, give me strength, help me out. Uh, what's going on with our church? It was, a, it was a crazy time. Pastor Rick just so happened to have come in at that time, spoke to our church, but more importantly, spoke life and wisdom and advice into our staff that basically helped us make some right decisions, some hard decisions, but some right decisions that really helped us come out of that deep, dark place in that valley into a point where, look where we're at today. We're growing. We got vision for reaching this community. You guys are bringing your friends. People are finding Jesus. Like, marriages are getting saved. Like, relationships are being built. Like, we're in just such a really amazing, good season. But, you know, it's so good when God brings the, the right word in the right time. And, and Pastor Rick was, was part of that time that he just brought to our staff and helped us come, kind of climb out of that pit. So um, for personal reasons, for the reason that you're going to hear a good word this morning, but we Anchor Church, we're blessed to have this man with us today. Anchor Church, would you just rise to your feet and give thanks and honor to Pastor Rick Bizet as he comes up to minister with us this morning. And he's coming up the fast way. I love it. Thank you, man. God bless you. All right, all right. Turn to the person next to you and say, you look better than you normally do. Uh-huh. Wait, don't sit down. Don't sit down. Turn to the next person and say, why didn't you tell me first? <laughs> all right, all right. Now high-five somebody and tell them to sit down and shut up. My goodness, we serve a good God, isn't that right? I'm a Cajun from Louisiana. Which means if it lives in a ditch, I will eat it. Anybody like ditch food? Crawfish. Three of you. My three cousins up in the house. Three real believers in the church. Man, isn't God good? Uh, I want to I get real serious, and then, uh, which is very unusual for me. And, uh, but I like this church. I would have no trouble being a member of this church. It's just too far to commute. And, uh, but I, I got to say that when, when you drop your kids off in the, to the kids' ministry, anybody with half a brain wants to know, is it a clean and safe place? You better do that. Well, this place is that. But it's also clean and safe in this place, in this room, with the staff. With their integrity. What, what I look for when I look for a church is because I, I get to travel around and see different churches. And I, I want to know, does that church speak truth without compromise? But do they have a lot of grace too? You don't want a church where it's all about truth and no grace. They're like mean. I, I grew up in that kind of church. I'll talk about that later. But then you also don't want to grow up in, in a church or be a part of a church where it's just about love and ooey gooey grace and like sloppy agape, whatever it might be. You want, you want a church that has truth and grace, like Jesus, like the woman who was caught in adultery, 
He spoke the truth to her. He said, you're in sin. But then he said, where are those that condemn you now? And he forgave her grace. And then he said, now go and sin no more. Truth again. You have to have truth and grace. That's what this church has. I've been hanging out with the staff, and I'm, I'm going to tell you, when, they, when they're dealing with anything, they want to know, what does the Word say, and how can we have more grace? And I thank God for that. Let's give the Lord some praise for, for that kind of a church. Okay? Uh, by the way, my son, is he's been wondering about, and uh, I think he just left the property, but he's here. His name is Tanner. Tanner is 21 years of age, but when, he, when we first started our church, what you want in a church is you want a good reputation. And, uh, but let me tell you about a mistake my wife made, because I'm more confident talking about her mistakes than my own. <laughs> she, she told my son, she said, because he was going around in kids' ministry, and uh, when he was around six or seven, that was actually the age he was at when we started, and he was getting extra cookies in kids' ministry because he, he was a pastor's son. So he was telling her, well, my wife's like Kanani. She's just not going to allow that. She's going to say, that's not how you walk around here. You be nicer and be wise and don't say this. Don't tell people you're the pastor's wife for an extra cookie. Just tell him your name is Tanner. That's good enough. So he knew it was going to mess up his life because he got six animal crackers the week before with this strategy. So he said, that's going to, mom, I don't want to do that. I'm not going to get as many. She goes, do it. So the next weekend, and remember, we're trying to have a good reputation. We just started our church the week or two before, and a lady went up to my son and said, aren't you the pastor's son? And he said, well, I thought I was, but my mom said I'm not. <laughs> so that's the truth. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So we didn't grow much that first year. Here, here's, here's what I know. We've all made mistakes, but... In the church, you can just keep that. In the church that, that I grew up in, he caught it too. Give that brother a hand. He caught In the church I grew up in, it wasn't like this. Look, the church I grew up in, it was, it was like a prerequisite to be a member of that church for you to be judgmental and for you to be mean and for you to hate everybody there. The meanest person in that church was my Sunday school teacher. Her name was Miss Hodges, and she used to tell me every Sunday, you're going to hell. She talked like a man, and her finger was 30 foot long, and she would, she would point at me and say, your hell is hot, and you're going to hell. She talked about hell like she was born and raised in hell. And I, I, so one day I asked her, does the devil wear a product? Because I know you know. But, but, but she, said, she said, don't you want to go to heaven? And I remember as an eight-year-old kid. I remember telling her, not if you're going to be there, I don't want to go. <laughs> but it's funny now, but when I was a kid, it wasn't funny at all because I thought God hated me. I just want to talk to you about what, that, what it did to me. It, it, it caused me to think that God wanted me out. I never thought that God wanted me in. And, and still to this day, I struggle at times with it all. And, and what it causes, although I'm a, I'm a person that typically has confidence, maybe in something I want to achieve or do, but it, when it comes to the things of God, being used by God, doing something that makes a difference in the church, this is where I've had no confidence. Interesting enough is where God has called me to be. But I, I just want to let you know that God wants you involved here. This is not a church 
that has a vision for like some of you to, to, to do something here. The vision of this church is not for 50% of the people to find a role. It's for everybody to do their part. And God doesn't want you out. He wants you in. So what I want to talk about, though, that everybody can relate to is the subject of fear. Fear is the most reoccurring, perpetual topic throughout the entire Bible, except for maybe love. Uh, it talks, it's talked about more than money, talked about more than prayer. It's talked about, it's so, and the reason why it's talked about so much is because God knows that you're going to deal with it a lot. It's like my professor in college, he said, if I say it a lot in the class, it's probably going to be on the test. And this is why God speaks about it so much, because it's, it's right in the middle of who we are. Here's the problem. Most people will not even admit where they are afraid and where they're struggling. So not only are you afraid of something, but you're also afraid to admit what you're afraid of. And, and then, so when you flip through the Bible, you'll find people in the Bible that have so much respect for like Paul. The guy was under, you could not interrupt him. Like they said, Paul, we're tired of you preaching the gospel. If you say another word, we're going to kill you. And he said, well, good. To be absent from this body is to be present with God. Another time they said, well, then we're going to, what's a plan B, guys? What do y'all think? Uh, Prison, prison. Okay, we're going to throw you in prison if you don't shut up. He said, good, I need to write a lot of letters. That'll settle me down. <laughs> right? I mean, he was just like unmovable. Here's a question. What are you attempting to do in your life that if God doesn't help you with, you will definitely fail? Another question is, why are you so afraid? This is what the Lord said to the disciples. He, he just looked at them so many times and said, why are you of little faith? Why are you so afraid? So I'm going to hit this and I'm going to hit it hard. I do not apologize, but it's not to leave you there to die. I'm going to hit you hard so you can get out of this because fear causes you to run away instead of run, running to God. And, and God is never going to ask you to do something that's cake. You know, that's so easy. You don't really have to have God to do it. No, it's, we're believers. You have to believe. We have to expend our faith. And when you have fear, it paralyzes you and causes you want to kick down. So I want to talk to you about this guy in the Bible. His name is Luke. Uh, Luke is, he was a doctor. He was a professional person. He was very busy. If I were to ask you to name the disciples, most of you couldn't name, but maybe two or three. And then you might even say, oh, the disciples, what are their name? Maybe. Oh, yeah, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That, that's four of them. But you would already be wrong. You would have missed it by a few. For example, Luke is not, he was not a disciple. Luke never saw one miracle that Jesus did. Luke got saved years after when Paul was doing his missionary journeys. And he became a doctor for Paul. Most people say that happened. And he was on a stipend perhaps from Paul. But he had a hunger for truth. So he went out and he investigated the ministry of Christ when Jesus was alive. He had a passion for the word. 51% of the book of Luke is in red ink. It's just words from Jesus. And you can see it over and over again, this topic of fear. So this is Luke. He's going out and he's investigating. He goes to Mary and he says, Now Mary... You, 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 you became pregnant by God, right? And he's writing this down. Yes. And you were a virgin, right? You never had sex. No. 
And now, Joseph, did he believe this when you told him you were pregnant, but the baby was God, and you were raising Jesus? Did he believe that? And he's writing this down. Then he goes to a group of people. He goes, now, you guys were there when Jesus fed 5,000. What was that like? It was late in the day. Did he cater in a lot of food? Is that how he fed the 5,000? No, bro, he didn't cater. In, we didn't have any catering system. We just had one kid with a Lunchable. And the Lord touched it, and it was, like, amazing. Okay, so he's writing this down, but then he gets to this part in Luke. Look, look at this, in Luke chapter 12, verse 22. Now, let me warn you, this is for the disciples. Jesus is speaking this. He says it to the disciples. But, but it's you, because the word disciple means just someone who's learning, someone who's following after Christ, and needs to learn. That, that's what he's speaking to. So verse 22. Then Jesus said to his disciples, he said, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you're going to eat, or about your body, what you're going to wear. He might be talking to girls a lot right there. For, for life is more than food, back to the brothers, and, and the body more than clothes, sisters. Consider the ravens. Now a raven is nothing more than a rat with wings, all right? And he's getting ready to say, if I'm going to take care of a rat with wings, I've got you. So, so he lays it out. They do not sow or reap a rat with wings. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. How much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? In other words, it doesn't even work. Keep going. Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They did not labor or spend, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you? You of little faith. He keeps building the, the deal. And do not set your heart on what you're going to eat or drink and do not worry about it. For the pagan world, I'm going to stop right here. For the pagan world runs after all such things. And your father, everybody say father, father, knows that you need him. And then it goes on to say, but seek first the kingdom of God and all things will be added unto you. I want to give you three points that I think can help you. Quick question. How many of you here uh, are raising kids? How many of you have raised a strong-willed kid? It's hard, huh? My, my daughter, I could tell you stories all day long. Uh, but, but I want to remind you that this church is here to win the lost. You will never understand the vision of this church until you bring a friend here who is broken down, somebody you love, and you bring them here and they meet Christ and get set free here and get discipled here and become leaders here. That's when Christianity becomes a blast. Some of you are going to heaven, but you're not enjoying the trip because you don't understand. This is it. But fear will keep you from moving in that direction. So when I moved to Arkansas, we started growing aggressively as a church. And I, I couldn't get them to win anyone to the Lord. It was just, it was amazing. Anyone was getting saved because they were afraid to, to share the gospel. And I told him this story. My daughter, when she was four years old, she was strong-willed. She saw a Hallmark movie of a 13-year-old girl running away from home. And so she made a decision. I want to run away from home. That just looks fun. But I don't want to wait till I'm 13. I want to go now. But I can't go now because my mommy and daddy are always holding my hand and they know where I am. 
except when they're sleeping. When they're sleeping, they're not paying attention. So I'm going to go in the middle of the night. And then she goes, but I don't want to go alone, so I'm going to bring my two-year-old brother with me. So she sold him on the adventure. She packed a wagon, put his diapers in the wagon. She put food in there like Skittles and M&Ms. You can't go. And her dolls. She went to sleep, and she doesn't know how to work an alarm clock, but she wants to wake up in the middle of the night. So she woke up on her own will, like her will woke her up. So she's like, it's time. And she went in there and got her little brother, and he said, go without me. I'm too sleepy. He's a loser. And she left him. She grabbed the wagon. We're sleeping, and she left our cul-de-sac. She went to the end of the road and took a right and then another right and a left all the way to a main highway, four-lane highway, busy highway, and her little nighty pulling a wagon. And there's crazy people out there. We're sleeping. We know nothing. And this lady sees her a mile down the road from our home. It was a full mile from our house. And she saw her, and she pulled over, and she goes, Young lady, what are you doing? She said, Hey. I ran away from home, and this is so much fun. And she goes, you need to get in the car. I'm going to take you back home. Oh, no, ma'am. I'm not allowed to ride in a car with strangers. <laughs> but you can walk up and down this highway. That's just the weirdest thing. And she couldn't convince my daughter to come home, so she, she follows. She couldn't get her in the car. So my daughter just pulls the wagon all the way home, and this lady follows my daughter all the way home. How many thank God for that lady? Middle of the night, knock on the door. So Michelle, did you hear that? No, I didn't hear anything. Heard it again. Michelle, somebody's at the door. Go see who it is. <laughs> I tried. It didn't work. I went, went down, and she came with me. And I opened the door, and it was this lady who I'd never seen. And my daughter, who was upstairs sleeping, I thought. And I'm just trying to, what's going on? I could, it was like it was a dream. And I started losing it. My wife is pinching me like, chill out. And uh, so then I realized that my daughter was safe and what really happened. And so I just thanked the lady. I, I hugged her and started giving her money and my cars and stuff like that. I was so thankful. And then I walked in and I just stared at my daughter. And that's the end of the story. But. If she wouldn't have come home, I'd still be living in that house in that cul-de-sac in Louisiana. In fact, every time the phone would ring, I would be the first one to answer it. I would run so far, I would dive to the phone. I wouldn't even say hello. I would just say, Haley, Haley, Haley. I would pick my friends based on who was helping me find my daughter. And thus you have a church. You want to know the main mission of the church? It's to win the loss. And, and I'm going to tell you, you're not going to do it if you're afraid. If you are blocked down by fear, you're never going to have the confidence to even mention his name. So I want to give you three things that will give you your confidence back. Number one, if you're, if you're taking notes. Worry, it places huge limits on your life. 
Huge limit. This is the kind of thing where the Lord, like I was telling the man the other day, uh, that, that sometimes when I'm raising my kids, I would just say, hey, close the door on the way out or like give them a tip of the day. Like, don't forget your lunch. Or They were always leaving their shoes all over the city. Like, bring home your shoes. <laughs> but, but every now and then I would grab them by the face because what I was about to say could save their life. Like, what I'm about to tell you, you better listen to me right now. Do you want me to do to you what I do to your brother? I don't have a brother. See, you want me to, that's what I'm going to do to you. And you want them to know ahead of time, like, you don't want your kid just to go through difficulty. You don't, that's going to happen. But what you really want is for them to catch it early. I think this topic that I'm about to speak on, that I'm speaking on right now, is the Lord grabbing your face, saying, you better get what, you better get this. You got to get this. First one is you got to know worry. It places a huge limit on your life. I'll show you. How many of you want to go to heaven someday? Okay, good vote, good vote. Even Presbyterians better raise their hand on that one. When you get to heaven, there'll be zero faith in heaven. There's no faith in heaven. Have you ever thought about that? Faith is only in motion when you cannot see. There you'll see it all. And when you walk into heaven, I, although I have tons of questions, I have a feeling that when you get to heaven, there'll be no more questions. Like they'll all be answered just by your first glance at his glory. Okay, but there's something really weird about heaven that I've never been able to answer. And I'm not going to answer it now, but I'm going to conjecture just for a little bit. When you get to heaven, the Bible says that he's going to wipe away every tear. How many know that's good? But, but I want you to stretch your thinking a little bit. What tear is going to be in heaven to wipe? We're going to be in heaven. Well, I don't know. But it could be when you see how big God is, how powerful he is, how majestic like his glory when you're, it's going to blow your mind. And maybe there's a chance that you'll look back to now and think, why was I so afraid? Why did I live on earth knowing he was this big? If I would have known he was this big, I wouldn't have hesitated. I was always so afraid. If, if I would have known, maybe that's the tear. I don't know. Why, why was I always such a ball and chain on the church when it was time to serve? I didn't go. I was, I was afraid. When it was time to give, I never even tithed because I was afraid. If I would have known God was this big, there's no way I would have hesitated. The thing he loved the most on earth was his church. It was his bride. And I didn't even grow it. Why didn't I believe more? Look, if you come to my home, don't you think God loves his bride? You come to my home, you say, Rick, I love you, but I hate your bride. I'm going to pepper spray you. Because I want you to love me and my bride. So why are we so afraid? Do you know how many people choose a job that they hate? Now, I'm going to read your mail right now. Choose a job they hate because the one they're called to do, they're too afraid to go for it, to get trained for it. 
to even apply for it, to go to the interview for it. Do you know how many young people choose a major in college that they hate because the one they're called to do, they're afraid of? Do you know how many relationships were stolen from you? Do you know how many people live in this community that at one time were serving God in this church and it ticks you off and hurt you, something they did? And one phone call could get them back, sitting beside you, laughing again, but you won't make the call because what if they reject you? Do you know how many single people, I tell the guys and, and girls in our church, we have so many young people who love God, and they, the guys won't even talk to the girls. It's like, get a life. One guy came to me, we got scones in our church, I don't know why, but we have them. And one guy came to me, he goes, I, don't, I got this girl I really want to talk to. In Arkansas, we speak banjo, you know. <laughs> How you doing old there, now, 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 huh? And so, so, so I said, I said, bro, why don't you talk? He goes, man, I don't know. Just tell me what to say. I'll go over. I said, just tell her. You want a scone? We got him in the back. He said, that's it? That's your advice? Yep, just ask her. You want a scone? So he goes over to her. He goes, hey, you want a scone? She said, I like scones. <laughs> so they ate a scone. The next week, he did it again and again. Over the next three months, they gained relationship. They gained some weight. <laughs> but last year, they got married. Bam, get you some of that. These guys nowadays, they'll text a girl and call it like talking. We're in a relationship. They'll break up in the text. Bruh, you're going to die lonely. <laughs> and let me just tell the girls, girls, before Adam got Eve, that brother had a job. Let's just throw that out there. All right, let's go back to the word. Back to the word, everybody. Talking about fear. One time Jesus said to the disciples, he goes, y'all get in the boat. We're going to go to the other side. They got in the boat, and while they were in the boat, halfway, a storm started hitting like it was out of control. Interesting enough, a storm was something that they were very familiar with. A lot of times, what you fear the most is what you're most aware of. Like, what you get, like, whoa, this is scary. But what happens is when you're in the middle of a storm, you forget what the Lord said. He said, get in the boat. We're going to the other side. If he says something, it's going to happen. But the storm started kicking up, and they were freaking out. And, and this is what happens when you become afraid. Listen to what they said to Jesus. They went over to Jesus. They were so nervous in the way, and they shook him. And they said, Jesus, don't you care? This is what fear does. Fear puts you in a place right next to the Lord, but yet it seems like he's so far away that he doesn't even care. Jesus, don't you care? We're going to drown. Jesus, sleep. He's not worried. Trust me. He's got you. So he stood up and he goes, peace be still. Immediately the waves and the wind. He didn't just rebuke the wind. If he would have just rebuked the wind, the waves would have continued for a while. He rebuked both. So immediately, all of a sudden, can anybody say awkward? Because <laughs> they, they were like, wow, we messing with the wrong person. And then Jesus looked at them, and this is what he said. He didn't condemn them. He didn't yell at them. He just said, why are you so afraid? You have a little faith, like, I'm right here with you. I'm with you. Why are you so afraid? Number two, 
As I read in that passage of Scripture, there's two options. You know, you, Seeking God's kingdom first gives us a very unintimidating view. But I, I want to get kind of preachy just for a little bit. Before all of you, and fear is what's killing you on this one. Before all of you, you have the same options that I have. You have the world, which I'm going to admit, there's some things in the world sometimes that I really want to go and do. And, and then you have the way of God. There's no marketing for this plan. It's just the kingdom. But this side, there's trillions of dollars spent on marketing over here. It's constantly taking your attention. Uh, it, if you're full of fear, you won't choose the road of God because you're afraid you're going to miss out if you go on that fear. You're afraid if you choose God, you're going to miss out. So you go over there because you don't want to miss out because you're afraid you're going to miss the party, miss the life, be lonely. So we choose that world. And, and here's what I want to say. If you choose the way of the world, I promise you, you will love it. And you will have a blast for a season. I don't know how long the season is, man. It might be a weekend. It might be a decade. It could be at the end of your life. But at some point, you're going to go, this was false marketing. Like I've been pumped. What do I do? And if you don't understand the power of the cross, you'll stay there. But if you'll learn that he can forgive, like he is amazing at forgiving people. And a lot of people, they just live in regret there. Like, oh, just got so much regret. And they could be over here with God. Here's, here's what that scripture says. That I, this is about fear. This is what the scripture says about fear. Seek first the kingdom of God. And all things will be added unto you. If you want to know how to get what's distracting you, you serve God and you let him give it to you. And, and fear will keep you from believing that. And you'll spend a lot of time. Some people say, man, I got 20 years experience serving God. No, no, you just have one year repeated 20 times because you're just doing the same thing every day. Why? Because of fear. Last thing, this is it. I'm rounding the corner. I'm heading home. Fear cannot coexist when God is seen as a loving father. I got a dog at the house. How many of you like dogs? How many like cats? Whatever. <laughs> and I've never been a cat lover. I'm allergic to them. I believe God gave me that gift to be allergic to cats. <laughs> I don't know how they made it on the boat. And, uh, but... I get emails from cat lovers all the time. I've got emails from cats. The, the owner will literally send me an email and then sign off, poochie, or whatever. <laughs> but I'm kidding about the cats. But I am saying, my, I have a dog that looks like a cat. And he's a Yorkie. And he's cute. I love him. I like him so much, but he hates me. I'm like the alpha dog. I've always heard of toy breeds that don't really like, the, the, you know, I don't know why. He just, uh, I've never heard him. I've tried everything to get him to like me, but he's afraid of me. And, uh, and so if I get too close to him, he runs in another room. If I corner him and get, try to get close to him, he'll turn upside down and he'll pee right over the top of my head. <laughs> and so I'm scared of him now. <laughs> but this dog has no idea how much I could hook him up. 
Like he likes these bacon bits. I could rain bacon bits down from heaven on his face. But he won't take one out of my hand. I keep him in my pocket. He's never had one. Because he's afraid of me. I'm going to tell you right now, you need to see the Lord as a father who wants you around. The prodigal son, he got into trouble. He got his stuff and he ran. Some of you got, you got something from God and you ran out with it and you took all the line. This is what happened. So then he thought, you know, I miss my father. Some of you, you love God with all of your heart right now. You love him. You love him so much, but you're not at his house. You're not home because you have forgotten how much he loves you. So you're trying to fix your life and accumulate better life so you can one day go and serve him. It's not going to ever work that way. Theologically, you can't fix it. You got to have him in on it. So the prodigal son is saying, I'm going to go home and I'm going to tell the father that I miss him and I messed up. And he's writing this down. I got I to gotta sell him because he's thinking, I know he won't let me back in the house, but maybe he'll let me be a slave on the property. And that's better than being away from the father. I could just get that close. That's how miserable he was. So he's going home and the father saw him. When the father saw him, it's just so cool. The father started running after him. I am totally convinced that the prodigal son thought the father was chasing him to kill him. Like, here it is. This is it. This is it. He's coming. He's getting close. He's still fast. But the father ran up to him and he put his arms around him. He tries to go to his speech like, yeah, lost. No, he says, listen, I don't care. All I know is my son was lost and now he's found. Let's go inside. I got some filet mignon. I'm going to hook a brother up. When's the last time you were so far away that you, you had forgotten that he wanted you close by? The Lord doesn't speak in a loud voice. He only speaks in a whisper. Why? He's God. He could, he could be so loud. He just talks in a still, small voice. Because you know, he knows you have to be in close proximity to hear it, which is precisely where he wants you all around him. My son, and this is, I'm going to try to challenge you as I pray, but my son, when he was four years old, he's now 25. When he was four years old, it was kind of strange. A lady uh, went up to him and, and she said, uh, Hey, Hunter, your dad is doing my wedding and... And it's coming up in a few months. I was wondering if you would be in the wedding too. And he's like, huh? And she said, I want you to carry in your dad's Bible. Huh? <laughs> so she talks him into carrying my Bible. And then he comes and tol told me about it to tell me. And then I finally talked to her and we got it all organized. On the wedding rehearsal, my son walked in with my Bible and stood beside me like he was made by God to carry my Bible for the rest of his life. It was perfect. But that was Friday night at rehearsal. <laughs> Saturday morning when we got up, my son was acting weird. Fear will make you look stupid. So I said, Hunter, are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. I said, are you okay, son? He goes, Dad, I'm not okay. I'm going to mess up the wedding. I can't remember what to bring. I can't remember how fast to walk. I don't remember what time I go in, Dad. I'm going to mess up the whole wedding. <laughs> And I said, son, 
are you trying to, do you want to get out of this? I wouldn't have let him get out of it, but he was asking. He said, no, Dad, I can't get out of it. They're counting on me. They need me in. I said, all right, Hunter, here's what's going to happen, boy. You're going to be at that wedding, and I'm going to be up front. I'm going to be standing behind the pulpit. And when they open the doors, you're going to be in the back. Do you remember that? Yeah, I remember that. You don't have to remember when they open the door. They're going to open the door. And when they open the door, you're going to see me up front. And when you see me, just do two things. What's that, Dad? If you do these two things, you're going to ace it. What is it, Dad? I said, you keep your eyes on me, and you carry that Bible. You just keep your eyes on me, and you carry that Bible, boy. It's wedding time. I'm up front. I'm standing here, and I'm thinking, man, I hope my son is alive. I hope he's, I hope he's somewhere. I hope he's still on the property. Uh, I hope he's got the Bible. And then they opened the, the door. And when they did, I saw my son, and I'll never forget, because I told him, do two things. Keep your eyes on me and carry the Bible. So they opened the door, and my son is staring at me. And, and I looked down at his hand, and he's holding the Bible so tight. I mean, as tight as he could. And he's staring. And I said, good, son. And he took a step, like clunk, like very rigid. Clunk, clunk. And he's carrying and staring. And he gets, and I'm telling him, doing good. Just keep, like, pick up the pace a little bit. <laughs> so he starts picking up, and he gets more and more confidence until finally he was like, yeah. And he had it, and he came and he stood beside me, and I kind of patted him. He handed me the Bible. He's waving at people. What's up? <laughs> okay. Afterwards, I said, Hunter, I was proud of you, boy. You aced that. Thank you, Dad. But when I was going to sleep that night, it hit me. That advice I gave my son was good for me. It's good for you. When you're afraid... You don't know what to do. You keep your eyes on the Father and you carry the word. When you don't know what's happening, like you're afraid of the door that you're trying to walk through. and You can't remember. or You don't know exactly what to do. You just keep your eyes on the Father and carry the word. When people are most afraid is when they stop looking at the Father and they drop the word. Pick it back up. Take a look again. And let's serve God for the rest of our lives. Because I'm telling you, life is a blast when your eyes are on the Father. Let's bow our heads, no one looking around. Lord, I thank you for the people that are here right now. And I'm just going to pray you guys. Do uh, you mind if I pray all the way to salvation? I, all around this room, no one looking around. Listen, there's two kinds of people that are here right now that I want to pray for first. Some of you... You made a decision to serve God, and, and you, you love that you made that decision. And some of you have never made that decision. So I want to pray for two different categories of people. People who have never been. The Bible calls it being born again. It's, a, it's when he takes out your old heart and he gives you a new heart. It's, an, it's a moment that you will always remember. You will always remember it. It's an incredible moment. Some of you are going to experience that for the first time. Others of you, you have experienced that, but you've wandered away from truth. Like Paul said, keep in step with the Spirit. So you still love those times with God. You still love God, but you know you're not walking with Him. 
You've slipped up. You've moved away. And you miss him like the prodigal son. You want to go back to the father. Either one of those, if that is you, then I want to pray for you. No one looking around. This is a huge decision. There'll be many people make this decision. But I want you to act as though you're willing to do it even if you were the only one. So around the room, if you're not sure that you're right with God, but you want to be, and you want to be with Him, you want to commit your life to Him, then I'm going to ask you right now to raise your hand all around this room. Come on, quickly, go up. Yes, 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 yes. Keep your hands up. Yes, 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 yes. Anyone else? Yes, right here on the third row. Keep your hands up so I can see them. Yes, yes. All right, there's his hands and there's a, somebody got his hand as high as he could put it right there. It's so cool. All right, everybody say this prayer with me. Say, Lord God. No, everybody say this, everyone. Not just those that raise their hand, everyone. Say, Lord God, I am a sinner. I remember some of my sins. I've forgotten way more. But I am a sinner. I thank you for the cross. The way you love me, it's, it's amazing. So I ask you to forgive me of things that I have done. I ask that you move into my life and be my Savior. I need you in my life. I don't want to be astray. I want to be home with you. Change my life, oh God. I thank you for the way you died. That rugged cross. The way you were buried. The way you rose from the dead. I thank you for your name. For your church. For your Holy Spirit. I'm yours, oh Lord. Teach me your ways. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thanks a lot, Anchor Church. God bless you.